Welcome to the Simple Questions Podcast. This is your host, Dylan Carnahan. You're listening to Halo by Blacklight Animals. Blacklight Animals are a psychedelic soul band out of Kansas City, featuring lush pop vocals, spaghetti western guitar riffs, psychedelic keyboards, and hip-hop drums. Their debut album, Playboys of the Western World, is out now on Fire Orange Vinyl and available at bandcamp.com slash blacklightanimalsband. And their new cinematic single, Persephone, is available now on all streaming platforms. The question for this episode is, what is lucid dreaming? You will learn in this episode what you can do in lucid dreams, the benefits of lucid dreaming, and methods you can use to lucid dream. Our guest has been interviewed on national TV and radio, has been mentioned in over 45 academic papers, and is the co-author of A Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming. I introduce to you Jared Chang Zizel. It is 2015. I am a junior in high school. I wake up. I walk downstairs. I brush my teeth. I undress. I get in the shower. Then I notice I can't feel the water. It's odd. So I immediately, for whatever reason, instinctually try to run my hands through my hair. When I do that, my fingertips go like right through my forehead. And I realize I'm dreaming. I suddenly like jolt. I wake up. I'm disappointed because my teeth aren't brushed and I didn't take a shower. (laughs) And I woke up a little bit later than I intended to. After doing some research, I realized that that experience was a lucid dream. That was my introduction to lucid dreaming. But we have our expert here. We have Jared. How were you introduced to lucid dreaming? It seems like it had something to do with your cousin. Yeah. So for better or worse, I never just got that like natural lucid dream and then uh, you know was able to kind of discover it on my own. It, it was actually uh, told to me um, and introduced to me by my cousin. Um, and he's at, you know, he's at one cousin. We're the same age. We kind of grow up, go mm-hmm. through all sorts of experiences together. And, you know, we lived in different states, but we talked on the phone a lot. Um, you know, and we were teenagers at that, probably 15 or 16. Um, and we talked about video games a lot. And he came across Lucid Dream. I forget where, but he basically says, like, have you heard of this thing, Lucid Dream? And I'm like, no. And he's like, it's this thing where you can go into a dream and it's like a video game. That was sort of his original pitch to me, which I was like, oh, all right, I'm I'm down for that. Um, and then, you know, he he sort of planted that uh, that seed and I was like, you know, getting a little bit more curious and looking it up and then found out that like, oh, like a lucid dream is, you know, is a dream in which you are aware of the surroundings and you can sort of direct the dream or your sort of character or yourself, almost like, you know, a character in a video game. Um, and that was my first sort of uh, taste and introduction to uh, to dreaming. How did you progress from there from just getting that amazing sales pitch right there of just, hey, it's a video game, uh, but when you're asleep and you can interact with it, how did you progress from there? So uh, at that age, and I guess it's probably around like 2002, maybe, um, you know, I we we had gotten a like had a family computer, and I think I would just like look up 
you know, blogs or people's like, you know, it's part of the time of like MySpace and Live Journals and, and just try to Google and ask Jeeves, I remember, like, what is lucid dreaming? Um, and just see what comes up and we just read about it. And, and um, yeah, like there wasn't, there was material out there. Um, it just wasn't that readily available. So it took a little bit more digging. You had to go through forums and stuff. And, um, um, but ultimately you started, you know, trying to implement the, uh, the techniques that I was learning um, and just use it pretty much just for like fantasy fulfillment and fun. Um, but then I get to college and I learned a little bit more about it, actually read some books on it and learned that like, oh, this is sort of this interaction with your dream world, which, you know, I look as like an interaction with your subconscious and some stuff just kind of floating around in your brain. And started using it more for um, creativity. I went to film school, and you know, we'd write out a script for the you know the short we're making, and then I would go into the into the dream, you know, have a lucid dream, and then try to you know create the short film that I was shooting. So it's like, oh, I want to see what this is like, um, and you know, it's never like this sort of perfect image, like you know. We see, like, I guess, you know, behind the scenes, like 3D renderings of the Marvel action scene. It wasn't quite like to that scale, um, but you would get like the emotion and you kind of the feel. And then I'd wake up, write what I remembered, and, um, you know, and apply that to the project I was working on. Wow. That's, that's interesting. I know one of the things that once I kind of revisited Lucid Dreaming that attracted to me, attracted me to it was the concept of like how that could increase productivity <laughs> and you know like oh it i know as a former college athlete baseball player visualization was a big part so i thought kind of this visual rehearsal aspect of performing um and you've you know you incorporated that when you were in college with your film um you know so you learn about it you start implementing it in your personal life, but ultimately what made you decide to write a book or co-author a book about it? So when I graduated uh, college, I was living with um, four friends um, who I went to, actually three friends I went to school with, and then one the fifth guy was a, you know, a friend's buddy, um, but we all lived together, we all worked together. Um, and uh, two of the guys also lucid dream and, we would sort of just chat about it and like you know I, I, there was probably some point like we had lived together for a couple months and be like oh wait you lose your dream i lose the dream and you know and then we would just like share our dreams in the mornings you know talk about different techniques what's working what's helpful um and it wasn't actually until like a year after that where we're like oh like we all went to film school we all like lucid dreaming wouldn't it be cool to do some sort of like web series about it so it actually didn't start as a book um, but then we were talking more and more and um, sort of came up with this idea that like, wouldn't it be really cool to have like a guidebook to the dream world? And so originally the book, the book is actually probably a little bit drier, as, you know, in its first iteration when we were like figuring it out, uh, because we were modeling off of actual like guidebooks, like, you know, like a, a field guide to the Amazon or field guide to birds oh. of North America or something. Um and and we realize a lot of the times the books are pretty like just a very standard prose, not really, you know, inspiring the, the engagement levels. 
not yeah. as high, right? So, you know, we, we went slightly off the, off the path that way, but we still felt like this is a guidebook to the dream world and, you know, and treated it as such. So, you know, which hence the name, if you'll guide to, to lucid dreaming. Um, and it was right around the time uh, Kickstarter was getting popular. And so we're like, oh, like maybe we can like raise a little bit of money for this um, or use it as sort of like a pre-sale option. And, you know, we ended up um, getting hitting our goal and um, and then some and we're able to sort of quit our our jobs for about like three months um, and just hunker down, try out all the sort of experiments, you know, like it was it's probably the only time in my life where I'll be able to say like sleeping was like part of the job and I could like justify, uh, you know, taking a nap in the middle of the day or going to bed like. You know, or though a lot of times it involved us like waking up in the middle of the night trying to see what would work. So some of the experimentation didn't always lead to the to the best sleep. Um, but we wanted to figure out like what you know what's the you know the best way. Like the field guide to lucid dreaming isn't sort of this catalog of every way to lucid dream. Um, it's sort of what we experienced and went through and you know and researched about what's the sort of the most efficient way and like if you do it this way um you know what are your expectations and if you want to try something slightly more advanced like what can you expect from that um but it was really trying to uh reach not unsimilar to the that 15 year old kid like uh like myself or maybe yourself um who you know doesn't necessarily have access to academic journals which you know there's a lot of material there or but may or may not be interested in the slightly more spiritual side of it and that kind of new age world. Um, we wanted something that like anyone, no matter their belief, their education level, could pick up and essentially learn how to have a lucid dream. That's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> you know, the beginning of that, I mean, what are the odds you got three film students who are all into lucid dreaming, right? In this under the same <laughs> roof. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's moment, there's lots of moments on this journey that feel very, you know, serendipitous. Um, because like, you know, none of us had set out to write a book. Um, and you know, the fact that like we were able to raise the money and you know, and ultimately what um had happened is we I think we pre-sold through the Kickstarter like 800 copies. We, you know, we wrote the book, um, printed the book, shipped it out, and a uh, literary agent you know, who I think came across us through Kickstarter was like, oh, this sounds like an interesting book. When you guys are done, please send me a copy. Um, and she read it and was like, oh, like if you guys are willing to stop like selling the book on your own, we could possibly bring this to, you know, an actual um, publisher and kind of get out of the sort of self-publishing space. And we're like, oh, like we never thought we were going to be like pitching stuff to uh to actual like publishers um but that's uh, what ended up happening and you know, we worked with them to you know kind of um fine-tune the book and you know their art team like redesigned the whole thing into like a much better version um i think i still have some of the old copies laying around i'll like compare the two and be like yeah it was, it was a good idea we went with them um but yeah, and you know, just like and the people we've met, the interaction, even stuff like this, like, you know, being able to, you know, to chat with you is something that like had we never probably like, wouldn't it be cool to make some sort of web series that be became a book? Like you and I probably would have never met. 
Yeah, that's that's inspiring to hear how you brought that to fruition. It's also, you know, incredibly, there's an incredible amount of value in what you created. And I know that we've been alluding to it, but for the uninitiated, they may have some questions here. So what is the average person's experience when they dream? You know, I brought up kind of my experience where I just had this event occur and I find out that that's a lucid experience. But what do you think the average person's experience is when they dream? I think, um, well, one thing I hear sometimes is people say, oh, I don't dream at all. Um, and what actually is happening is like they're not remembering their dreams. You know, we all dream. Um, there are a whole lot of theories about why we dream, but um, to my knowledge, the, you know, the science community has not said like, this is why we dream. Um, some people think it's sort of our brain working out stuff. Some people just think it's just random firings of, you know, brain synapses or something. Um, but we don't actually know 100% why we dream. And so one thing I always try to, and, you know, I'll steer back to your question. Um, one thing that I always say is like, when someone's trying to lose a dream, often they don't even remember their dreams. And so we first start with like, you know, spreading a dream journal, getting a better kind of relationship with that, that dream and that dream world. Um, and to realize that like, oh, like tonight when you go to sleep, you're going to dream. If you don't remember it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily bad or good one way or the other, um, but that we all dream. And I would say that dreams are, um, you know, kind of what people dream about is really just obviously a lot of fears, anxieties, the form of nightmares and stuff. Um, I think it's just also a lot of random stuff of our brain that our brain picked up throughout the day and is working through. Um, but what I sort of think is maybe not, you know, I don't want to say what's going on, but like what dreams are pulling from is the uh, subconscious. And we spend obviously most of our you know, mental focus on our kind of conscious brain um, and working through the stuff and kind of, you know, processing everything. But then there's all this other stuff that's maybe not getting processed. So I think dreams are, you know, are a way of just figuring out and, you know, addressing either the stuff that our brain isn't looking at or some of the stuff that our brain is looking at very deeply. You know, this, and that might be like you watch a horror movie and you're going to bed and you're thinking of like the, uh, you know, the killer coming in your room as you're drifting off to sleep. And then you have a dream about that, you know, that, you know, slasher. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, to uh, just kind of answer your question, it's, it's a whole lot of stuff, um, but it's the stuff we're trying to to work through or that at least our brain feels like we should. Yeah, a couple of things there. Firstly, you're absolutely correct. The amount of people that have said, I don't dream is astronomical, <laughs> right? <laughs> and from my personal experiences, you know, I have a dream and I maybe have 30 to 90 seconds to capture that. Um, so it's fairly easy to lose those. And then I think the second thing is you're saying, you know, most people's experiences when they dream is this kind of weird, you know, abstract reflection of all these themes and things that have occurred, you know, emotionally or, you know, physically throughout the day. And I think that you know, if you do take the time to reflect on your day in the waking world, those themes tend to show up in your dreaming world. At least that's something that I've noticed. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, I think there is this bridge, this connection between, you know, the waking world and the dream world. And, you know, and we see that, you know, again, I feel like nightmares, scary stuff, fears, insecurities, like, you know, because it's so emotionally potent, we kind of can, you know, tag those a little bit easier. But I do think there's this connection. And this is sort of jumping way ahead into sort of more kind of advanced lucid dreaming. Um, but one thing that we talk about and kind of get to a little bit later in the book is how to utilize uh, lucid dreams and then take what you learn there into the waking world, whether it's like, um, you know, in college where it was like, oh, let me like rehearse a movie scene and then like, you know, write about it or, you know, produce it or something. Um, but a lot of things it's like, you know, sometimes maybe you have a big presentation uh, the next day, you can maybe rehearse the presentation or maybe like you just need that extra boost, boost of, you know, self-confidence. And so instead you fly around the world in your, your dreams and you wake up and you feel elated and confident and maybe, you know, you head into the office and you're just, you know, you're just that much more jazzed and secure in yourself because, you know, just hours ago, you were flying, doing the, you know, the impossible and feeling actually what it would be like, you know, at least in your brain's interpretation of flying. And so, like, I feel like a lot of stuff that happens in the dream world uh, will overflow into the waking world, very similar to how stuff in the waking world will overflow into the dream world. Interesting point there, especially, you know, kind of that emotional aspect. You can maybe do something in your dream that emboldens you draws some kind of emotion out that you could leverage, you know, once you're awake for, you know, we're talking about lucid dreaming. We're talking about flying. We're talking about all these things, but how was, you know, a lucid dream different than say a normal dream where I remember flying. So a lucid dream is primarily just about awareness. Um, so we say like the, you know, the definition of a lucid dream is a dream in which you are aware of the dream itself. Um, so the same awareness that you and, I, you and I have in this moment, like I know that I'm looking at a computer screen with, with your face, we got the headphones, like, you know, I'm pretty aware of everything that's going on right now. Um, and a lucid dream is just having that same awareness in the dream world. So it's like, you're not on this sort of, you know, this, this track of like, just sort of absorbing and experiencing stuff, you're also aware of the experiences as they're happening. They like, and you can identify um, that this is a dream, sort of like when you, you know, in your example, when you're washing your hair and, you know, your, your hands go through your forehead, like you're like, oh, this isn't real, this is a dream. Like that is uh, sort of the moment of lucidity, which, you know, we talk about in the book of like, really you know and and in all honesty like all the techniques all the the things that you can do to increase the chances of having a lucid dream are really just about that one moment where you're like okay this is a dream because there's this inherent paradox to lucid dreaming where you're trying to find your own awareness while you're unaware of it and so it's like you need that trigger or um, there's also, you know, examples of lucid dreams called wild where you actually never let go of that awareness. And like as you're going into, you know, from waking into the dream world, um, your awareness of the fact that you're, you know, kind of leaving the waking world going into the dream world never, you know, never leaves your mind. 
Um, but a lot of lucid dreams, and I'd say the majority of them happen where you're actually unaware something happens in the dream world. It triggers, you know, basically you'd ask this question, am I dreaming? And, you know, and then you, um, you basically say, wait a second, like, yes, I'm dreaming. Um, and that the moment you're like, yes, I'm dreaming, you've had a lucid dream. You don't have to worry about controlling the dream, flying, like, you know, you might just say, yes, I'm in a lucid dream. And then often what happens is, you know, it's such an intense experience, you wake right up. But even if it happened, even if you spent like two seconds there, that's still, you still had a lucid dream. How would you describe that consciousness that, you know, when you become lucid to someone who has never had a lucid dream before? I would say that most of us have had the experience of like being in kind of a, a regular kind of unaware dream in the waking world. And I find that it, for whatever reason, you know, it, it happens, you know, and this is probably not good, but it happens when we're driving and driving somewhere we drive every day. So driving to work and you're sort of on autopilot. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us have had this moment where like, we leave, you know, leave home, leave the office, wherever we are, and then we get to where we're going, and we're like, oh, like, I don't remember anything about that trip. Like, I didn't hit anyone. I, like, followed all the traffic laws, but somehow, like, I just was unaware of it. And I think that is sort of a similar experience, because, like, you know, if someone, I don't know, cut you off, and you felt that emotion, you know, that stuff happens. You know, we feel stuff in the, you know, in a dream that's not lucid. Um, but also, you know, you can take it, you can drive from, you know, wherever you're going and be very aware. You can be like, all right, I want to listen to that one song that's going to put me in a good mood. And then you, you know, make the sort of the decision to put that on, you know, like uh, pull it up on Spotify or turn to your favorite radio station. Um, you know, or maybe it's like, you know, you it, like slightly more you know, intense example would be like you recently were in a car crash and you have these sort of, you know, nerves about driving or being in a car. And so when you finally do get back in the car, you know, you're probably not going to like tune out the world. You're probably going to be very, very focused on, you know, on your surroundings and what you're doing. Um, and so looking kind of at this sort of driving a car, but being unaware of it example, like that kind of to me is what um, a regular dream can often feel like, while a lucid dream is like you're actively aware of what's happening while you're doing it. Yeah, that's that's a great example that, you know, you're driving to your destination, you're on autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. And then say someone cuts you off and that pattern break, you know, makes you present. That's you know, throughout that commute. And I think that's a good example of what it's like to lucid dream. There are kind of these sequences and events that you're experiencing. Um, and then you kind of have a pivotal moment that makes you do, say, a reality check. And then you kind of gain some level of consciousness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a, yeah, great. Like it's those, you know, either weird like often weird things in the dream like you know fingers going through your forehead or something very emotionally potent you know you run into someone who has passed you know or in the car example you you know someone cuts you off and you got to slam on the brakes and you know and 
you're all like you know amped up now and and aware um but you know when sort of um helping people learn how to lucid dream we are almost trying to uh, uh trying to find those moments um and you know and identify them because sometimes it's a little challenging to identify which you know why is why like you know reality check can be the sort of you know or the trigger can be those the fingers going through the head um or it can be the thing where like you've trained yourself that every time um i take a shower i'm going to ask the question am i dreaming um and this would be you know suggested if uh, a lot of your dreams were you uh, taking a shower um but it, you know you would rehearse that in the waking world when you get in at the end of the day or if you're a morning shower in the morning um asking that question and then ultimately you, you've trained your mind to ask that question and associate showering with you know questioning you know your reality um which then you follow up with uh like you mentioned like so some sort of uh, reality check to you know confirm whether you are actually in the dream world or or in the waking world um you know i think there's that line in inception is that you know the, the tricky thing about dreams is like we don't when we're in them we just assume everything is real that's why all this fantastical stuff can happen and we don't actually question it that often because we just it's sort of we just assume you know we're just like all you know on the path just like oh, okay like there's a flying elephant in the sky just a normal day yeah no that that definitely is something that you're basically creating a habit you know in your conscious world that way that habit carries over into your dream state and that can cause that realization right and i think one of the things that you recommend in the book is writing down your dreams seeing what you know again much you're saying like the shower thematically what comes up a lot or you know i keep seeing uh, a dog or whatever and then kind of forming a habit around you know asking yourself a question or maybe performing an action like you know making the timeout sign with your hand see if your fingers go through your palm things of that nature um yeah just really creating that habit and having it carry over yeah yeah and it's like you know it's not unlike creating the habit and you know to you know exercise more like if you just sort of like rely on like yeah i'll probably exercise more now that i want to maybe it happens you know but often it doesn't it's taking the you know that sort of you know focused intention that like okay i'm going to exercise more i'm going to set the routine i'm going to do these things to make sure that you know i get to the gym it's you know almost exactly the same it's like i'm going to set the intention to have a lucid dream i'm going to take the time you know before going to sleep to kind of calm my mind and focus and kind of you know really uh zero in on that like i want to have a lucid dream tonight i'm gonna take the time in the morning even though it's you know i'm half asleep to to write down uh, that dream that you had the previous night. Um, so yeah, I think it's like really, you know, the, you know, really about building, like you said, building a habit. Now, once you've gained that consciousness, right. And let's say you're able to, you know, simply not immediately wake back up after that, experiencing mm -hmm. that, what are things that people who lucid dream like to do once they do experience that consciousness? So the uh the two most common things that you know first time early lucid dreamers um have is uh flying and having sex and it's sort of like you know if uh you know 
probably since like you know the you know the dawn of humans we wanted to like fly through the skies it's a very inherent um you know desire and you know insects you know sleeping with a celebrity sleeping with your crush you know that is a very you know strong desire in, in most of us and so when we have that opportunity to explore it we'll often take it um but usually after a while flying and sex is like you know there's so much more you can do um and you don't want to just like kind of stop there it's almost just like this we call it like fantasy fulfillment you, know, you have a fantasy and you know you fulfill it uh, but then you can do things like you know we were talking a, a little earlier about like rehearsing stuff getting you know working through stuff um a lot of times first first time lucid dreamers if they're not kind of entering it through just a curiosity they're entering it because they um they suffer from like chronic nightmares and they have a very sort of almost like a like toxic relationship with their dream world which you know the way i do it is that sort of a toxic relationship with their subconscious they're trying to push something where there's something that that's um that's bothering them and so a lot of times when someone um who's suffering from nightmares they will come across you know either literature or you know even more so so now than um earlier years uh that therapists are kind of introducing lucid dreaming into their you know into their practice and you know, having people that when they are ready to sort of confront the nightmare. So if it's sort of a classic monster chasing you, instead of running, you become lucid, you turn around and you ask the monster, like, why are you chasing me? Sometimes the monster just disappears then and it never shows up again. Sometimes the monster says something cryptic that you will sort of interpret later um, that, you know, maybe there's something in your life that you're running away from that you don't, that you shouldn't be. Um, and for almost you know, every single example and person I've spoken with who has, you know, had a you know, repeating nightmare over and over and over, and then they lucid dream, and then they confront it. Like, I can't, I can't think of an example where the nightmares continued after that. You know, maybe they have other nightmares, but that one nightmare doesn't come back again once you're able to confront it. Um, and so, kind of going back to your, your, your first question, or your original question, is the first lucid dreams are usually just you know fun fantasy film and stuff or actually you know deep work with like the mind and the subconscious of confronting nightmares and security spheres um and so i think those are usually the two main kind of types of dreams someone has when they first learn how to lucid dream yeah you kind of have those cotton candy experiences right like i'm gonna go <laughs> reenact an action movie i'm gonna be a part of the avengers or something like that exactly. and then you kind of have that more like i don't i don't know how to articulate other than um i like personal experiences yeah. right like i'm trying to embolden myself for this boardroom meeting tomorrow yeah. or, or maybe um you know i ha have a lost loved one and i'm you know talking through something with them right that's a lot more you know emotional um than say kind of that fantasy fulfillment you're discussing earlier yeah yeah and i think you know for a lot of folks who like including myself who start in that fantasy fulfillment space you know you eventually have one of these sort of 
like the personal or maybe maybe interpersonal or you know introspective maybe dream is, is a good way to phrase it um and you're like wait a second like this is actually beneficial or this is like a little bit more fascinating than flying around you know my town for the 50th time um and then it, what i found is that people sort of graduate more um towards that introspective direction because ultimately we're getting lucid dreams is this are these you know special opportunities to engage directly with your subconscious and almost by definition our subconscious is like apart from us or you know to you know it's it's this stuff that we are unaware of and so being able to kind of bring it up and make ourselves aware of it um can be a very you know intense a very profound a very enlightening you know experience I'm just curious, you know, what are some, you've been on this journey of lucid dream for quite some time. What are some kind of crazy or interesting experiences that you've had while lucid dreaming? I think um, it was, I've done it, it now it's become a little bit more um, normal because I've done it a couple of times, but the first time was very wild. Um, but I'll do this thing where I'll basically make a call to the lucid dream, you know, lucid for uh, dark Jared to appear. And so this is almost like this cliche, like shadow version of myself, a little bit more gaunt. You know, sometimes I can't re really see, you know, his eyes. Um, I probably should say my eyes because it's just, it's this sort of mirrored, you know, projection of this sort of the darker or the you know negative emotions I'm, you know, dealing with at the time. And, you know, basically have a conversation with him. And the first time I had it was like, it felt, you know, there was something so, you know, it was like electrifying in a way that like, you know, it was very weird also, like just to be facing yourself and like, all right, we're going to talk about things. Um, but like, you know, I felt it and, and, you know, and I continue to do it, especially if I'm going through something, you know, challenging in life. Um, and it's been very beneficial, but, and, you know, and I should say it's something that is, while it is wild to see yourself, it is also kind of it's not that out there it's not like kind of completely pulling stuff out of fantasy you know and you know i've done some of these going to alien worlds trying out all these different things there's a lot of you know exploration of the dream world like i love trying out different foods in the dream world um because sometimes it just tastes like nothing you've ever had in the waking world and so all that stuff is like really unique and exciting but then going into something like this where you're you're talking directly with like your shadow self um really is this just you know amazing experience and every time it happens like it's, like it, it's become more normal it's not as shocking when i see dark chair appear but i always walk away like kind of you know like that almost like out of breath just uh, out of the you know the impact that it's had on me that's an incredible experience to talk to yourself and kind of those other subconscious aspects and elements, like quantified in this other person that looks just like you. Like that's, yeah. that is a crazy experience. Like, and I'm sure that that is beneficial as well. And segueing off of that, what are the benefits that you've seen of lucid dreaming? You know, we talked earlier about, you know, maybe the emotional emotions you can draw out and how that can impact you in the waking world, or maybe scenarios that you can work through and rehearse 
um, in order to gain proficiency? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the things in Lucid Dreams that really, I think you can walk away with, like, I know we, we talked a little bit at, at, you know, I liked already, but like confronting nightmares, um, that's something that is, you know, has been sort of proven time and time again, you know, the, you know, it's, it's almost like so not, not easy, but just like clear that when someone confronts that, that nightmare, they, you know, the nightmares um, end up ceasing, you know, the nightmares change, or they, they feel more empowered to confront other nightmares. Um, so that, that comes up probably the most as far as like, you know, elements of uh, healing oneself or working sort of in a more therapeutic kind of way. Um, but I also know that, you know, there's been more and more studies about sort of the relationship between uh, dreams and PTSD, um, which, you know, often PTSD includes a lot of nightmares. And, you know, you know, therapists and psychologists using lucid dreams to help patients, you know, work on, you know, the PTSD, you know, and, and there's some, you know, one thing, um, you know, I usually say is that like, you know, I, I help people learn how to lucid dream and confront stuff, but then there are, you know, people dealing with really intense, you know, heavy, you know, emotions, trauma, mental disorders. Um, and, you know, and that's when like, it kind of, it, it leaves my sort of wheelhouse. Like, you know, I just want to help people wake up in their dreams. But when, it, you know, what I would say is that like, if someone's listening to this and they find themselves, you know, struggling with these different things, they're like, oh, maybe lucid dreaming, you know, can help me get through, you know, depression, PTSD, trauma, whatever it might be to, you know, seek out like a, you know, a, a mental health professional, but ask them like in that sort of interviewing process that you might do with a therapist, like, oh, what are your thoughts on lucid dreaming? Have you ever, you know, implemented this in your, in your work? Because um, I think, you know, there's just more and more information um, and studies coming out where you know lucid dreaming and using these techniques can really you know help individuals there's even um there's some sort of study and, and maybe we can look it up for for show notes because i'll probably not remember every last thing um but that with uh patients who are schizophrenic which you know have uh challenges sort of identifying sort of the, what is in this reality and what is perhaps a you know, hallucination or like, um, you know, an inaccurate sort of memory um, to utilize different reality checking techniques to sort of like, you know, if you see something, you know, very much like in the dream world, we don't know, is this real? Is this not real? What's going on? And so we need to take a moment to find sort of this present awareness and maybe do like a little check, like, you know, does your fingers go through your palm? Um, but to take that moment and and actually, it's probably something we all could do a little bit more and just like sin, like, all right, what's going on? What's going on around me? How am I feeling internally? You know, is this, am I just coasting through this day unaware? Or do I need to maybe be a little bit more alert of what's going on? Am I missing information? Um, and so, you know, I sort of started with schizophrenia and just brought it back to the rest of us. But, but basically, the point would be is like, People who are struggling with these, you know, intense conditions can utilize lucid dreaming, often with the help of a trained professional, but also the rest of us, 
can use the same things and just be a little bit more engaged with the world around us as well as like the world inside of us. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. But yeah, I a couple of things there that are interesting, you know, kind of the learned reality checks. That's something that's beneficial to people. You have the confronting of nightmares or recurring nightmares that you could utilize lucid dreaming to potentially change that, whether that has some relation to PTSD or not. And, you know, as as well as the benefits we've listed previously. So there's a lot of different benefits that lucid dreaming has. Now, this is something that the answer has been alluded to throughout our discussion, but I want to kind of explicitly address it, which is this. Can lucid dreaming be learned or is it something that some people naturally do? Yeah. Well, what you usually say is like, if you can dream, you can lucid dream, which is sort of a little tongue in cheek because we also say that everyone dreams. So, you know, the clear answer is that yes, you can lucid dream. Um, you know, I imagine out there in the world that there's someone who just the way the brain chemistry prevents them from lucid dreaming. But I I've never met a person like that. Um, and for everything I know and have experienced, everyone has the ability to lucid dream. Now, it's going to be a lot easier for some people. than other, If someone hasn't remembered to dream in 10 years, they have this very disconnected relationship with their dream world. And before they even try to find like awareness in the dream, they need to start like reconnecting. Um, and that's just done in the form of like remembering dreams. You know, don't worry about waking up in them, you know, you know, flying or having sex with a celebrity, just focus on whatever the dreams are giving you to to kind of reconnect um, with that. Um, that said, there are some people who just naturally lucid dream. Like, you know, it, it seems um, like, I, like I, I'm rather jealous that your first lucid dream, it just, it just happened. Like I had to do all these techniques and it took a while and would lucid dream for a second and, you know, wake up. Um, but, uh, but yeah. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to write the book in the in the first place is because we, you know, we realized like this is something that we think more people should uh, you know partake in, and that and that the you know the introduction to it is sometimes a little challenging to find because as we were saying before, a lot of stuff fell into the sort of academic world or sort of the new age spiritual world, and unless you were in either one of those worlds you might not take the time to sort of go through all the material. Um, and so the book was sort of, you know, our version of an answer to that, that like, whatever, wherever you're at, if you want a lucid dream, this book can help you have your, you know, your first lucid dream. Yeah. And firstly, to address kind of the flattery there, honestly, like when I had that lucid dream experience, it really stuck with me, but it's something I didn't revisit for years. It's just kind of this odd event that really stuck with me. And I want to go back to that scenario you talked about with, you know, Rick, you know, I haven't had a dream in 10 years, Jared. <laughs> I, I haven't dreamed in years, you know, and I, I want to ask you, how can you learn to lucid dream? From what I'm hearing, one of the steps is to just simply recall your dreams to begin with. And I know then we kind of talked about reality checks and other things, but, you know, to the uninitiated, how can you learn to lucid dream? 
one thing to my lucid dream is like if they're listening to this podcast they've already done uh the work because one of the steps is just knowing that it's possible uh you know i've given a handful of like sort of uh talks and workshops and stuff and i found there's always someone who's like who kind of calls bs on me and they're like oh like i don't know if this is real like are you just making this out are these just really vivid dreams that you're remembering with really well um and it's amazing how often that person if you know if it's some sort of event or convention and i and i'm able to you know see them the next day it's amazing how often they come up to me to be like i had my i had a lucid dream last night they didn't do any techniques they didn't practice they just knew even though they tried to deny it the previous day but they knew that it was uh that it was possible and that kind of just allowed their mind to you know open up to allowing you know themselves to find that awareness um that said that's that's probably not the most uh common example of someone learning how to lose a dream um especially if they've been disconnected but if someone's like like i haven't dreamed in 10 years what i would try to say is like oh you actually probably have been dreaming um or you you know i'm gonna say probably actually you have been dreaming uh, you just haven't you've just sort of disconnected you've just been unaware and depending on what the dreams are your lifestyle like maybe you just you just work a whole ton and you just don't have the time in the morning to, to focus in and when you go to sleep it's all just about like passing out and not you know you just want to like turn off everything um and so that person wants to sort of make changes and to learn how to lucid dream and say also don't worry about lucid dreaming right now just we're just gonna try to like recall your dreams um and you know say like there's work you can do as you're going to sleep you know set the intention like you know tonight i will remember my dreams uh, and then really the dream journal is such like a key thing like my the there is a direct correlation between the amount of lucid dreams i have and how often i'm keeping a dream journal. if i fall like you know kind of get lazy for a bit my lucid dreams will go down if i am like on that it will be that much easier for me to sort of induce a lucid dream um so i'd say like you know, do some work the night before sending that intention but also do that work to record the dream the more you can even you know use your phone and just like record a voice memo um and just you know and then i would say if you record the voice memo which i sometimes do is in you know, write it down in the dream journal. Even taking the time to to look through different journals, you know, whether it's at Barnes and Noble or online, and buying a journal that you know speaks to you, because it, it's one uh, one more thing where you're saying like, a relationship with my dreams is important to me, and so I'm going to spend the extra three bucks to get that slightly more ornate journal because you know these journeys I go on are things that are important to me and I want to put them in something that is like it's not just sort of um like a yellow legal pad you know you don't have photo albums taped to the pages of a yellow legal pad. you buy a nice leather bound thing um because that's what's you know those memories are important to us the same way you are trying to get to this point where the memories um and the experiences of the dream um are also important important and so really you know I like to think that we have this sort of relationship with our subconscious, with the dream world, and that, you know, like all relationships, whether they be romantic, platonic, you know, co-worker relationships, they take, you know, steps and energy to to foster. 
And, you know, if we get lazy with our relationships, often those relationships, you know, kind of fall apart or we drift away. Yeah, that, that it's, again, it's another habit you have to form that, you know, around dreaming specifically, you know, knowing you have to keep a record, really. That's Mm -hmm. what you're doing, your record keeping. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, for me, it's about 30 to 90, maybe 15 to 90 seconds. And that dream is gone. I couldn't, you know, 90 seconds after I couldn't tell you what I've even happened. I maybe have a theme, something mm-hmm. about, you know, whatever, or maybe an emotion, like I'm kind of upset or a song, something kind of just mm-hmm. still kind of lingers outside of that. But you're absolutely correct as far as how do you form that habit? I know for me, I'm extremely odd. I have an Excel spreadsheet. I turn on my computer, I write in there, or you know, go to my phone, type out some things. You know, whatever that record keeping mm-hmm. mechanic of storing that dream journal, it doesn't have to be a journal. It could be a voice memo, as you said. Totally. It's very whatever works best for you to develop that habit. That's mm-hmm. what you have to follow. And then, you know, I know in your book you talk about other and you've talked about experimenting with these various ways, you know, the wake back to bed and wild technique, which is more advanced. Like what are outside of, you know, say, Hey, Jared, I've been writing down my dreams. Maybe even just talking about this. Maybe I had a lucid dream. I want to, you know, increase the volume of that. What are some other techniques that you can take outside of just a dream journal? Yeah. That, that's a great question because like there are you know a lot of times you do get keep that dream journal and you built that back that relationship but still you're not becoming lucid um and so then there are techniques you can bring in that are basically working with how you know sleep uh you know sleep cycles work and how your brain chemistry works um and you mentioned sort of a wake back to bed um and so uh one thing to know about just dreams in general is they occur during uh, REM. Um, and REM stage is like the last stage of the sleep cycle. We kind of start, you know, up here, conscious and awake, and then we slowly drift into deep sleep. And then, you know, we go through different stages. And then as we're coming towards the end of the sleep cycle, we're getting actually very, very close to consciousness again. But we don't, you know, or I shouldn't say consciousness, we're getting very close to just waking up. Um, so we're close to that sort of what we look at as like the barrier of consciousness. Um, but we don't go kind of, we don't surface. We just stay beneath it. And that's where, you know, REM occurs. And that's where our dreams occur. Um, one interesting thing is that as the night goes on, as you go through the sleep cycles um, of your, you know, throughout the night, your period of REM gets longer and longer. You know, the body's main focus during sleep is like to reheal, um, you know, replenish, reheal, heal all the physical elements of our body. So we're able to drift down. Um, but as the sleep cycle, we've, you know, the body has healed. And so now it can give a little bit more time to to REM. And and that's why our long our longest dreams are usually closer to when we wake up. So wake back to dead is trying to take advantage of the fact that. You know, after about maybe six hours, four to six hours, you know, and again, this depends on like the individual. We all are slightly, have slightly different sleep schedules, but finding that time of the night that we, um, right before we have this long chunk of REM. And so the idea behind it is, you know, 
we don't worry, you know, we're not lucid dreaming for the first like six hours of an eight hour sleep schedule. But then we, we set an alarm, we wake up, uh, you know, we, we don't wake up and like get coffee and like do jumping jacks. We, you know, we try to basically wake up the mind more than we wake up the body so that, you know, after, you know, again, it depends on the person, but usually about 20 to 30 minutes of being awake, doing a very kind of calm activity or just focusing on the intention of having a lucid dream. We then go back into to sleep. Our body goes, you know, physically goes to sleep. Um, but our mind is just a little bit more active. And so that when we get to the dream world, it's, it becomes easier to, you know, spot those, those uh, triggers um, and, you know, kind of sort of reignite that awareness that we had, you know, maybe just minutes before when we were awake. Um, so wake back to bed really is trying to catch that last, uh, that last chunk of REM. That's interesting. One of the things that I've seen that helps with that. Cause some people go, Jared, you're telling me I got to set an alarm. Like, dude, I, I got six hours I need to get in. I don't even know if I'm going to get them all in. But one thing I've noticed is, uh, <laughs> it's a little funny. If you properly hydrate, if you were getting in those glasses of water as recommended on WikiHow or whatever, <laughs> I mean, you're naturally going to wake up to go to the restroom. That's something I've experienced. And, just by simply waking up to have to do that and then just quickly going back to bed, getting in your bed, you can kind of reset, you know, recalibrate or incubate um, kind of that expectation that you're going to dream. And that's something that you may not have to set an explicit alarm for. Um, and so I think if you do, you know, if you are someone that uh, has to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, like that's something that that's just, or you do wake up because you say you hear, you know, something wakes you up. Um, that's a good opportunity to just try that out without having to you know, manually set or induce yeah. that yourself. That, that's yeah, that, that's a great idea. And also, we probably like none of us get our you know drink enough water, so you're you're probably killing two birds with one stone. Um, but that, you know that's a, and often when we wake up, we are you know we're not waking up to go to the bathroom in those like deep sleep moments. We are waking up when we are closer to that REM stage. So you know. A little bit of experimentation and timing like that could actually be far better than like the sort of jolting sound of an alarm going off um I, there is this you know this method of lucid dreaming which i've never done and i don't necessarily recommend um it's called a, a pile the a p induced lucid dream so a wild is awake induced lucid dream we often talk about a dialed a dream induced lucid dream um but a pile is I guess sort of a form of a of a dream induced lucid dream, but a P induced lucid dream, which basically the trigger of a lucid dream is that you have to go to the bathroom. So you drink a ton of water. Um, and then in theory, the way it works is like you're in the dream world, you know, going about your business unaware, and all of a sudden you have the urge to go to the bathroom, but you're not waking up. Um, and so in the dream, you're like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. I must be dreaming. Uh, and that's sort of supposed to be the trigger to, you know, find that awareness. Now, if you have to go to the bathroom, it might be uncomfortable to have a lucid dream, you know, and, and have, you know, I don't think I want to talk with Dark Jared while I got to like, take like, a pick. Hey, let's wrap this up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wake up in a couple of minutes. And of course, there is this inherent, um, you know, danger to it that <laughs> you are going to relieve yourself in the dream and also relieve yourself in your bed and wake up to you you probably won't be writing in your dream journal that morning 
because you got like some sheets. You may be drying it off. You may be throwing your cream journal in the the dryer there. What you brought up wild. Um, I want to go through and talk about that because that's an interesting concept of that's an interesting technique for Mm -hmm. inducing lucid dreams. Yeah. A wild, um, you know, it's such a great name because in itself, it feels very wild. Um, so the majority of lucid dreams are, before we get to wild, I'll just explain um, dialed, D-I-L-D, which is just dream-induced lucid dream. And that's sort of like, you know, going back to your, your first lucid dream, um, you're, you're sort of the lucid dream was induced while you were already in the dream state. Mm-hmm. Um, you're triggered by your fingers going to the forehead. Um, and, you know, that's the more common version. Um, but there's also a thing called wild which is awake induced lucid dream which you know relies probably a little bit more heavily on catching that REM because you know we're going to lose that awareness if we go into deep sleep no matter what but if we're close to that period of REM and we you know we hang on to that awareness from awake you will basically follow yourself into the dream world and you know if you talk to different people they all talk about different visuals so for me i like i fall into it's often like this purplish kind of almost warp tunnel and i like i feel myself getting like pulled through something and then it's sort of like pop like i'm in the in the dream and have never lost the awareness that i had you know moments ago while i was you know awake in the in the waking world um and this you know if someone wants you know they've been lucid dream and they want to try a wild um one of the best ways to practice it is with naps because a lot of times you know we have the urge to take a nap because we didn't get enough sleep and if we didn't get enough sleep we also definitely didn't get enough REM sleep because as we were talking before that chunk of REM the longest chunk of REM is at the end of, of the sleep so naps often go right into the REM stage it's like we need to have those dreams um and so naps can be a great way to know that like oh I'm gonna like let me fall asleep often the nap is just pulling you can't even keep your eyes open but if you just let yourself get taken by the nap but hang on to that awareness um and don't let it go that can often be you know that was how I had my first uh my first wild that's interesting basically you're trying to hold on you know even mm-hmm. though you're resting and then you kind of you, you're still conscious that whole time it's kind of i i think dreaming generally is more like uh or you know going to sleep it's more like uh you're just shutting down right and then you just uh reboot in the morning you know yeah. and all this time transpired right this you know it's, it's it's interesting to hear that you can experience a dream without really losing that consciousness and i think that brings up another question which is what are the levels to lucid dreaming you kind of have mentioned earlier we talked about someone that um hey i can't even remember my dreams right to someone that hey i had a lucid dream to all the way to people that are using this wild method and maybe even meditating in their dreams yeah you know I say that so with like the idea of kind of levels of lucid dreaming, um, and really it's all I think it functions all more on like sort of a, a scale. You know, the same way we can have a little bit of awareness, you know, and so let's have a lot of awareness. And, you know, if we're taking the task of doing something very you know, challenging, um, you know, we're going to put a ton of awareness into that. 
Um, and with lucid dreaming, sometimes it's actually, it, you know, early on, it can be challenging to put a ton of that awareness in there. Um, it often makes us, you know, you know, spring awake or we get aware and we kind of like our, then we go for a fly and it's, we're having such a good time just cruising around. We just forget that we're in a dream and it continues without the lucidity. Um, but I would say sort of the, the levels of, of, uh, of the dream world or lucid dreaming, um, will be different from person to person. And I think, you know, if we wanted to have some sort of like scaling method, I would say you can base it off of sort of maybe intensity or degree of introspection. You know, we start with fantasy fulfillment, very just sort of bodily desires. And then maybe it's like, oh, we have, you know, we need to confront a nightmare. That's a little bit more intense, a little bit more introspective. Um, but then, like you said, like there are people who then, you know, they become lucid and then they go, uh, they, they try to meditate. And, you know, where does that take them? Even people, you know, very inception-like is like, you have a lucid dream, like I want to go into another dream and have another lucid dream within the lucid dream. Um, and just the, you know, elements of, ex you know, exploration and exploring one's mind, um, I think. I would sort of categorize as, you know, the different levels of the dream world and that it's, it's going to be a little bit different for each one of us. Um, you know, maybe there's like something like deep in your past that you, you've blocked out and, you know, the deepest you can go is actually confronting that while maybe someone's confronting something from the past right at the, you know, right from the get-go and then they're going somewhere else. Um, so to me, and one thing I think um, to remember, mind you know for people to remind themselves especially when lucid dreaming becomes maybe a little challenging or they're not having the dreams and you know the lucid experiences that they want that it is this act of exploration you know you know we we know stories of explorers throughout the ages both fictional and non-fiction you know and there is there none of them are about oh it was super easy to get to the you know to the jungle and then find the gold in the jungle and we just went home it's there's always challenging but going through those challenges and embracing the idea of exploration and then just the only difference is now we're just exploring the you know, inner worlds of ourselves um, can be really helpful in sort of maybe pushing through those difficulties or when you wake up and you're the, the last thing you want to do is like write down, you know, a dream, you just want to go back to sleep um, to remind yourself, oh, this is part of this, this journey, this exploration and that like I'm. I'm going through all these things to, to find something um, or to experience something. Yeah. Well, well said, well said. Now there are some people that are going to be listening to this and they're still skeptical. They're still skeptical. And there's something that I think is rather interesting. And I've experienced this with a lot of different things that I've read, such as uh, there's a book moonwalking with Einstein where they talk about, uh, kind of this memory palace. Um, basically, there are things out there that through that were common a long time ago, but have atrophied and they've kind of fallen out of the collective consciousness. And one of those is lucid dreaming. So can you talk about what is the cultural significance of lucid dreaming in the past or in different cultures? Yeah, yeah. And I think that is... Um... You know, how you've like sort of fallen fallen away from it or you know become disconnected to it because if you look at a lot of um you know ancient cultures um indigenous cultures 
dreams play a heavy role in those societies. And uh, you know, often, you know, part of the morning rituals is people, you know, they sit around and that, you know, they share their dreams, you know, and they, they don't share them as, you know, oh, I had this crazy dream last night. It was, you know, so wacky, but they, they share it as an actual experience they, they went through. And, you know, often with, you know, when you're a little kid and you have a nightmare, the parents, oh, it's just a dream. And, you know, I don't think there's anything super inherently wrong with calming a child who's like terrified out of their mind. Um, but what's important is not, maybe not to always kind of hang on to that. It's just a dream element, you know, because to, you know, in the past and these different, um, you know, indigenous communities and ancient cultures, it was never just a dream. It was a profound message. You know, often they look at the profound message, <laughs> look at a profound message from like the gods, um, which obviously puts a whole lot of a lot more weight on it. Um, I don't necessarily think you know dream. I think dreams are kind of encompassed in ourselves. Um, but you know, depending on one's belief, um, you know, maybe dreams are a message from the gods, and I'm just sort of too too ignorant to know. Um, but whatever sort of the belief system is, it's putting sort of this weight on that dreams are an experience that we go through. There are emotions involved, sometimes negative ones, sometimes positive ones, you know, and that you know, if someone was to say like, oh, like, you know, why are dreams important and kind of disregarding everything, I would say like, I'm sure you, you've had a nightmare that was scary. And the, the fear, you know, the tenseness that you experienced in the dream was with you when you woke up and were in the waking world. You know, maybe your you know your heart your heart might be beating faster, you might be sweaty. Um, there are all these things that like this is you know if you wanted to say dreams are nothing, this is actually happened to you in the waking world. And at least how I view it is like whatever you think dreams are, they created something in you to feel this emotion, and that I don't think should be kind of ignored. Um, but I do you know. I do think in our modern society, you know, we're not getting great sleep. We have a low, a, a shorter attention span. Um, we're just, you know, inundated with so much information. Um, and also we're just super busy. There's just more things we can do. You know, we, we can always be looking something up. There's less, you know, less time to just sit and be in the present moment. Um, and often you'll find a lot of people who are lucid dreaming, you know, just look at the chatter on Twitter. It's a lot of teenagers and you know kids and young people because they do actually have that space to not worry about you know bills and uh, you know trying you know what the office presentation they have to give they they have there's a little bit more play in their world um, which sort of opens up like oh I can like I don't have to worry about a mortgage payment I can just enjoy this dream I'm having and become lucid um, and so I think kind of you know when we look towards the past we can see that differing communities, cultures, groups of people really value dreams for, you know, in one way or another, and that we kind of devalue the dream or like have been inundated with this sort of, oh, it's just a dream, don't worry about it. Or even when we talk about it, like, you know, it's great to share a dream, um, but I would say like share it as it like as an actual experience that, that you went through. Don't caveat it with like, oh, it's just something funny that occurred to me. It doesn't really matter because I think it actually does matter. And there's part of you that wants to share it because it actually 
had a, you know, an impact on you. Yeah. Like, I think to pull out a couple of things there, there are tangible effects from having a dream. You mentioned mm-hmm. your heart racing. You may wake up with a certain motion. You may be angry or sad. And those tangible experiences are part of the reason that, you know, other cultures in the past have devoted tangible resources to make, say, a dream temple. Right. Yeah. So it's not so uh, foreign to see, you know, those tangible experiences. They do have impacts in other cultures. Past societies have put quite a lot of weight. And I think we're seeing that that's kind of something that's discounted um, within our current society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I It's been absolute pleasure talking to you, Jared. I just want to ask, you know, where can people find a field guide to lucid dreaming and learn more about you? So, uh, to find the book, um, it's at most like major books where you can probably, you know, pop into a Barnes and Noble. Um, it's on Amazon. I would say if you can see if it's at like a more indie bookstore or, you know, small publisher, um, you know, support some local businesses. Um, and, uh, to find, uh, I guess, more information about me and like other uh, upcoming stuff, my um, my website is just my last name Chang Zizel.com, which I should, you know, maybe we'll include in the the show notes because yeah, I don't think anyone's absolutely. gonna get get the spelling right right off the bat. But it's a uh, C H I A N G dash Z E I Z E L dot com. Um, so you know, you find more about. What I'm working on, and actually the two other writers, uh, Dylan Cachillo and Thomas Pizel, we're currently working on another lucid dreaming project uh, you know, with the publisher, um, Workman, Workman Publishing. Um, so there's, there's going to be some stuff coming up, I think. And I, I don't know what I can and can't share, so I'm going to err on the side of caution and be a little bit more vague. Um, but we have some fun uh, lucid dreaming stuff coming up. Yeah, well, we look forward to seeing your future content as well as following your journey and looking at some of the content you already have out and, uh, you know, looking at where we can uh, pick up that book uh, that you have. So, wow, great conversation. A lot of good stuff said. Awesome to, you know, read your book and then be able to contact you and have this fascinating discussion. So, Jared, thank you for sharing your knowledge and time today. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, it was my my pleasure, and yeah, you know, thank you for bringing me on and inviting me. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, you know, I think this was a really uh, great conversation, and you know, the just a lot of good questions, a lot of good topics and stuff. Um, and I'm you know more than happy to to share it with you and you know and anyone else listening to this uh to this episode. That wraps up our conversation with Jared Chang Zizel. We talked about the difference between a normal dream and a lucid dream, experiences you can have in a lucid dream, and ways you can increase the number of lucid dreams you have. Pick up a copy of Jared's book, A Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming, to further learn how to lucid dream. Do not forget to listen to Blacklight Animals on Spotify or Apple Music. And lastly, subscribe to the Simple Questions podcast to get notified when our latest episodes are released. Thank you for listening. And remember, 
to keep asking questions. 